Thank you for listening to the Radiant Church Podcast. For more information, visit us at weareradiant.com. Well, take out those sermon notes. We are in the finale of our series called The Unfair Advantage. This whole idea came to me about three years ago as we were in time of prayer and fasting. There was a girl on our staff that I was praying over, and I was praying over the unfair things she had been through in life, talking about how the unfair things she'd walked through with her family. And I, I kept saying, it's unfair. It's unfair what you went through. It's unfair how you were raised. It's unfair how you were overlooked. It was unfair what you went through. And as I was praying for her, I felt the Holy Spirit speak and said, Aaron, it's unfair, but it's for her advantage. And that's where this whole idea came from. And so I took my, my paper and pen and I wrote down the unfair advantage, wrote it into a sermon, preached it here at Radio, and then preached it in Dallas, Texas to about 2,000 pastors in February of 2020, right before the world shut down. And um, I remember three different authors, one being Mark Batterson, who's one of my favorite Christian authors, walks up to me afterwards and says, Aaron, do you have to write that into a book? If you write it into the book, I'll help you get it published. So I said, well, I never thought about writing a book. And so um, that'd be cool. But so during COVID wrote the book and um, came out a couple weeks ago. Thank you all for being so supportive and amazing with it. And um, it's really cool to hear the reports all over. So if you haven't got it, check out the book. But um, in the book, I give seven unfair advantages that Joseph walks through with his life in the, in the moment and the path from the dream that God gives them to the destiny that God has for them. And I talked about it in even this series, how it's unfair, how the things that we've walked through are unfair. And we talked about the rejection he went through. And he talked about the idea of being sold into slavery and working when you're underpaid and undervalued. But Joseph brought excellence to the table. And then last week, I talked about how Potiphar's wife, Joseph's boss's wife, comes on to him. And Joseph makes the unfair decision to say, no, I'm not going to gratify my flesh. I'm going to live with integrity. And in that moment, if I was writing the story, that's where the story would have ended. Joseph makes the tough decision, but instead, that instead of him being celebrated, instead of him going right to Pharaoh and now being second in command over all of Egypt, Joseph, the Bible says, gets thrown into prison. I want to show it to you. Look at it, it says in Genesis chapter 39, and this is where we're going to kind of focus our attention today. It says, Joseph's master took him and put him in prison. And it says, this is the place where the king's prisoners were confined. But while Joseph was there in the prison, the Lord was with him. Can I just take a second and say, no matter how dark your season is, the Lord is with you. No matter how distant you think people are, God is near you during this time. And the Bible says, and he was shown favor and kindness and granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden. Scholars would tell us that Joseph would spend the next 10 years of his life in prison. 10 years of his life. And as I was working on this message, I really felt a burden in my heart to talk to people who've been given a dream from God, but you're in the waiting season right now. I've seen that dream come to pass. So here's what I titled today's message, and I want you to write it down at all of our campuses. Why does God have me waiting? Why does God have me waiting? You ever ask that question? You ever been on 275 and say, God, why do you have me waiting? Let me just, just find out who my people are at all of our campuses. Who are the people that just cannot stand waiting? Come on, let's be honest. This church, come on, you didn't raise your hand. You're a liar. 
You're a liar. All right, so, so I hate waiting. Uh, let me just find out how sick you are when it comes to your lack of patience. So how many are, are with me in the sense of when you're, you're, in the, you're going to check out with your groceries at your local grocery store and you're checking out the grocery lines and you're trying to figure out which one's the shortest and which one's moving the fastest. So, so you pick the quickest lane. How many, you're, that's you right there. Now, I wanna know who's really sick because how many while you're in that lane, you're watching the person in the other lane and you're seeing if you made the right choice. Come on, somebody. You're all sick. You've all got issues. How about this one? And I know this is church, so we're honest with each other. How many sometimes, and I know it happens there in St. Petersburg, and it happens here in Tampa a lot. How many are merging onto 275, and you know you need to be in the far right lane to merge onto the interstate? But instead, you keep going straight, hoping that there's an opening to cut through all those people who are patiently waiting. Come on, where are you at right now? I know, I know. Somebody just got mad at their neighbor, like, you're that guy. You're that girl. I try to hide my Radiant Church bumper sticker during those moments. (laughs) Waiting is part of life. And what we have as confidence today as Christians is that waiting as believers should bring us confidence in the God that we serve, that God is doing things behind the scenes even while we're waiting. The Bible says it like this, and I wanna show you. Psalm 27, David says, I remain confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Now, some of you, you're in a moment right now where you're like, Aaron, I ain't seen that. I mean, the child, the child's two and they're crazy. Where's the goodness of God? You, you have to understand there's a moment where God promises you something's gonna be good, but you don't see it yet. And then look what he says, verse 14. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart. And look what he says again, in case you missed it the first time, wait for the Lord. He's constantly telling you, hey, it's gonna come. You just gotta learn how to wait. Jeremiah wrote it this way. In a season where the people are in exile, they're in disaster. And look what he says, the Lord is good to those whose hope is in him. To the one who seeks him, it is good to wait. Come on, some of y'all, y'all like to cancel that out of the Bible right there. It ain't good to wait. But it is good to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. God has a plan. You just got to learn how to wait. Isaiah goes on to say it this way. Even the youth shall faint and be weary and young men shall utterly fall. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. There is some benefit in learning to wait. And we see it through the heroes of our faith. Abraham had to wait till he was a hundred years old before he had a child, which by the way, that child was promised him the first time when he was 75. He had to wait 25 years to see the promise of God fulfilled in his life. We see it in, in, in um, Moses's life. We think of Moses as this young man that goes to take the people out of, the, out of Egypt into the promised land. The reality is, is Moses was 80 years old when God used him. He's 40 years growing up in Egypt, 40 years in the wilderness, and then God sent him back. There was a long season of waiting. David, the man who killed Goliath, anointed as king as a teenager, but didn't walk into the fact of him actually being the king until he was 30. There's somewhere around 15 years of David waiting for the promise to be fulfilled. And by the way, Jesus himself, God in the flesh, anointed by the Holy Spirit. If anybody didn't have to wait, it would have been Jesus. He could have come out of that womb and said, okay, let's do this thing. But he didn't, he waited. And Jesus did not walk into the fulfillment 
and the purpose of his life till 30 years old when he started his ministry. Let me just say it very kindly. If Jesus had to wait, you're gonna have to wait. You're gonna have to wait for what God has to do with your life. Here's the good news, ready? Because waiting seasons are not wasted seasons. There's a purpose behind it. And I know people and all of our locations are waiting for different things. Maybe you're waiting for a spouse or you're waiting for a child or you're waiting for that child to return to the faith or you're waiting for a dream job or you're calling. Some of y'all are waiting for your healing. Some are waiting for your financial breakthrough. And I want you to know that while you are waiting, it's not being wasted right now. God has a purpose behind your wait. And I'm gonna show it to you today because we can see it in the life of Joseph. Joseph gets the dream at 17 years old, but he doesn't walk into his destiny until he's 30. So what's happening in those 13 years? Well, three years of it, we know he's sold into slavery. We know that he's, he's then working at Potiphar's house, but then he gets wrongfully accused and gets thrown into prison where he sits there waiting for around 10 years. 10 years sitting in the prison. What what do you do when you find yourself waiting in the prisons of life? We apologize for the inconvenience and interruption of this service. Pastor Aaron's sermon will resume shortly. Here at Radiant, we move towards Christ, community, and calling. We thank you for joining us for our Sunday experience. apologize for the inconvenience and interruption of this service. Pastor Aaron's sermon will resume shortly. Here at Radiant, we move towards Christ, community, and calling. We thank you for joining us for our Sunday experience. apologize for the inconvenience and interruption of this service. Pastor Aaron's sermon will resume shortly. Here at Radiant, we move towards Christ, community, and calling. We thank you for joining us for our Sunday experience. Joseph gets a dream from God. He gets sent on a journey, and then he wakes up one day in a prison, sitting there going, God must have forsaken me. There's no reason I can be here. Everything, I, I guess what I believed was a lie. And Joseph sits in the prison for 10 years, now, you think it's been a long time for you, and it's like, it's been a bad month. 10 years. What do you do when you find yourselves in the prisons of life for so long, and the dream hasn't come to pass yet, and you go, I'm, I'm believing God. Why am I in this prison? And what I wanted to do is I want to show you today that there is a purpose to your prison. Prison. 
There is a reason that God has you in the dark season in this moment. And I'm going to show it to you in the life of Joseph, but I'm going to give it to you in a real way that I hope you never forget it. Because if you're not waiting now, you will eventually wait then. And I want you to remember this message that there is a purpose why God has you waiting. So I'm going to give you four of them today, and I want you to write them down because I think they'll help you because when you're in the waiting seasons, you get frustrated, you get angry, you, get, you, you lose track of, is God really in charge? And I'm just going to bring some clarity to you today of why God's got you waiting here. Here's the first one. Write it down. The reason I'm waiting is because of timing, because I'm timing, because God's timing is perfect. It's absolutely perfect. And I just want you to know that God is arranging stuff right now behind the scenes for you to walk in your purpose. But if you walk into it too quickly, it's not only that you that might not be ready, but the scenario might not be ready yet. That's why Habakkuk says it this way. He says, write the vision and make it plain on tablets. For he who may read it may run with it. And he says it this way. The vision is yet for an appointed time. So there's something God has for you, but it might not be that time yet. You got to think of it with Joseph. Remember, Joseph gets the dream that he's going to be in charge. But how is he gonna be in charge? He's gonna be in charge because there's gonna be a famine and the famine's gonna hit the land and Joseph's gonna be the solution. But the famine wasn't ready yet. So maybe it's not you that God's trying to get ready. Maybe it's the person that you're praying for he's trying to get ready. Maybe it's the job he's trying to get ready. Maybe even the cultural climate isn't ready for you to step on the scenes yet. So you've got to be okay with the fact that God has a perfect timing for me to walk into my destiny. It just might not be right now yet. God's getting it ready. People tell me all the time, they're like, Aaron, you always talk about, like, like, when you're single, get yourself ready, and then God will bring the right person. And I've got myself ready. Where is he? Where is she? And I'm like, maybe God's working on them. Maybe they're not ready. The worst thing you could do is you be ready and get in a relationship with them not being ready yet. That's why even Jesus, I thought about this. I'm like, why didn't Jesus come like right after the fall? Like Adam and Eve fall, Jesus shares all the scenes. I'm going to die for y'all. Let's redeem humanity. That would have made sense, except that it wasn't the right time. That's why Paul writes it this way. He says, when the right time came, God sent a son. God knew the time that even the culture, even society be ready. And God knows when the world will be ready for you to walk into your purposes. So you're dreaming and you're praying for it. And I'm saying, hey, wait, watch out. God's timing is perfect. Here's the good news is that while I'm waiting, God is working. Can I hear a good amen at all of our campuses? So you're, you're in this behind the scenes and you're going, I'm wasting my time. No, 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 no. God's working on getting everything set up for you to walk on the scene for what he has for your life. Here, here's the second one. I think this is so interesting. Why am I waiting? I'm waiting because of training. Training. That there was a purpose in the prison that God had for Joseph. And I just want you to know this, while you are in your prison, make sure you are embracing the training that God wants to bring you in this season. So, so this is one of the craziest revelations. I wrote about it all over the book and um, the chapter that I talk about the prison. 
And I think it's very interesting because I sat there and go, God, why did you have them in there for 10 years? 10 years is overwhelming. It doesn't make sense. Why for 10 years? Like he could get there, met the right person, got right there to Pharaoh. But then I started researching the ancient prison systems. Now, just so you understand this, prison wasn't a thing 4,000 years ago. It wasn't like a popular thing that, that countries did. Actually, it was pretty non-existent in the ancient world. If you did something dumb, you know what they would do? Like you stole something, they cut your hand off. Or you did something bad, they just kill you right there in the city square. And Egypt said, we're gonna revolutionize this system and we're gonna make our prisons an educational system for our prisoners. I did a whole thing on research. I gave a lot of quotes and stats in the book. But here's the, the gist of it is this, is that when they brought you into prison, their whole job was to reprogram you and teach you what it meant to be a real Egyptian. Now, wouldn't it be the providence of God that he takes a man from hundreds of miles away who is called to lead this country, but the man doesn't know the language, he doesn't know the culture, he doesn't know, he doesn't know any of the customs, and he says, you know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna give you some work ethic, I'm gonna give you some connections, but I'm gonna put you in a prison where you're gonna be highly educated, and not just highly educated, I'm gonna put you in the prison that's gonna have the best education, because look what it says, it says Joseph's master took him and put him in the prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined. So it's not just any prison system, it was the best one. So Joseph ends up graduating 10 years later with a doctorate degree in what it means to be an Egyptian. How did he have this? He had this because he was now prepared in the prison for what God had for him in his purpose. You see, what we see as a prison, God sees as preparation. And you're frustrated in your time behind the scenes, but God needs you behind the scenes right now because he's trying to do something deep in you that's gonna prepare you for where he's taking you next. I think of the dark seasons of my life are usually the most developmental seasons to what God has for me to do. I think of it even when I was a youth pastor. I had this business and I was running this on the side. And during that time, I felt like the Lord told me to get my MBA. And I was like, God, I, I don't know. Why, why would I need an MBA? I'm master's in business administration. I'm a pastor. And I felt the Lord challenged me to do this. So I took a couple of years, did all my classes, got my MBA. Well, then I moved here to Tampa and I start the church. Little did I know all the principles of that MBA would be needed when it comes to how do we have good financial stewardships and how do we structure this right? And I looked at it going, God took what was done during a dark season and used it to develop me for the destiny he had for my life. It was done in the prison seasons. This is why Isaiah says it this way. This is what the Lord says. Your redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, I am the Lord your God who teaches you what is best for you. So you gotta lean on the Lord during this time. And God, what are you teaching me? What are you doing? Who directs you the way you should go? So here's a great question you should ask, ready? What is God teaching me during this season? So if you feel like it's a dark season, what is God teaching you? Maybe he's teaching you some patience or some endurance or he's training you. Don't waste your prison. Yeah. You ever see those guys or girls that come out of prison and they're just like jacked? I'm like, how did you get in such good shape? They're like, well, we had nothing else to do. I was gonna train and get in shape. I'm like, you should have read a couple of books or something. You know what I mean? Like to me, I'm going, don't waste your season on Netflix while you're bored right now. Use this season to build you up as a man or woman of God for the destiny that he has. There's some training he wants to do through your life. 
Here's the third one, ready? Why does God have me waiting? He has me waiting because there's a team that he wants to put around me. And you will always be as significant and as successful as the people God puts in your life. Amen. So you show me your friends, I show you your future. You wanna know the, the quality and the direction of your life is always determined by who are those people that God's put around you. Amen. And what I have found is that it's during the prison seasons, God puts people in my life that I didn't even know I needed for the next season that God has for me. So look what happened with Joseph's life. Remember, sometime later, I hate that phrase right there. Cause you know, we know that's eight years. Joseph didn't know that. Y'all are like, we need it now. God's like, no, 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 it's gonna take some time. Sometimes later, look, the, the cupbearer and the baker of the king of, the, of Egypt offended their master, the king of Egypt. Pharaoh was angry with his two officials, the chief um, cupbearer um, and the chief baker. And look what he did, he put them in custody in the house of the captain of the guard, the same prison where Joseph was confined. This was the relationship God was trying to build through their life. And here's what I've realized about our God, and this is so important that you get it, is that God builds his kingdom and brings you into your purpose through relationships. So there's people that God wants to connect you with during this prison season that you're, you, you don't waste this moment. There's a cupbearer and a baker and there's people that you wanna get connected with. And I've realized if I look back on my dark seasons, it's many times in these dark seasons that God is relationally connecting me to people that'll bring me to my destiny. Uh, let me just say it this way. During your dark seasons, here's what I wanna make sure. Invest in godly friendships. You well, I don't have that person right now, or I don't have that child right now, and I'm believing for that job right now. Let me just tell you, get as involved as you can, and this is why you get involved in your church. This is why you serve on the dream team, and you jump into next steps, and you get connected with, with your groups. Why? Because you need to be in godly relationships. It is so, so important. Here's another one. Invest in a godly mentor. If you're going to be in a dark season, at least connect with somebody during that time and say, I need help. I need someone that's a little bit further ahead of me to give me wisdom and give me guidance like during this season, help me with this. And here's the third one, ready? You're gonna invest in your personal relationship with Christ. Amen. Invest in relationships during dark seasons. And I'm telling you, I love that phrase, the Lord was with him. The Lord has on his side. I want you to know this. During those dark seasons, those frustrating seasons, God wants to be close to you. And you go, Aaron, it's a dark season. You should be getting closer to Christ right now than ever before. Get involved and connected in the relationships God wants to use in your life. Here's the last one. Why am I waiting? Why am I in this prison? Why, why can't I get out of this thing on my own? Why can't I happen? Here's the fourth one. It's because of this reason called trust. Trust. Why does God have you waiting? There's a perfect timing. There's some training. There's a team. And there's a trust factor that God's trying to develop in you for the fact that you can't get out of this thing on your own. So good. He wants you to trust him. Because we think of creative ways. You're like, I can get out of this thing. I can make it happen. I'm gonna, I'm gonna make this thing happen. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I can't find it. I'm gonna make it happen in my own. I even had a dream last night. I was like, if we don't find this key, 
This is going to be a disaster. I was like, if I have to get out of this thing in front of thousands of people broadcast and I have to like, like I, it's going to be a lot of work. And a lot of you guys, you're not trusting God during your season. You're trying to do it on your own. And I want to challenge you during seasons that you're waiting, it shows our trust in God. Amen. And look at this story. Remember the, the, the cupbearer and the baker get into the story and then, and Joseph's like, finally, I got a way out. And he even says it like this. He, he goes and he goes, all right, when you go to Pharaoh, he's like, remember me in front of Pharaoh. Like you can help me get out. And we always think some person's going to be our solution to this thing. Some party's going to get me out of this thing. And the Bible says it this way. I love this phrase. It's the last verse in the chapter. It says, and the chief cupbearer, however, did not remember Joseph. He forgot him. You ever felt like that? You ever had that moment that that guy, that girl, that organization, that church, that group, they let you down, they forgot you. But I want you to know, but God didn't. Amen. God didn't. And look at the next verse. It's the next chapter and the next verse and says it like this. And it says, when two full years had passed. Oh, you know those were painful two years. Come on, God, where are you at? I need you to get me out of this thing. But God was arranging the timing. He was training him. He had the team around him. And then that last two years, he's developing trust in him. Going, do you trust me to let you out when the right time comes? Can I just encourage somebody here today? Listen, to trust God is to trust God's timing. Amen. And it's not just to say, God, my hope is in you, but my hope is actually in you to bring me victory when I know it's in the perfect time and the perfect moment. Because I, I, don't, I don't have a key to this thing. I intentionally made sure that I don't have a key because here's what I've realized is you can't get out of it on your own. But that's why we need the God of the universe who has the keys to the kingdom. <laughs> and he's the one who can step in. So Uriah, you gotta help me, our campus pastor, associate campus pastor here at South Tampa, um, help me out. So Uriah, what you got? Uriah's, oh, look at this, Uriah's got. Oh, the prized key. Uriah, give me that, help me out, help me out with it, Uriah, help me out. Okay, this is, this is so great, this is so great because, because I'm telling you, you can't do it on your own, but you gotta trust I don't even know if Uriah can do it on his own. Boy, I'm praying that this thing works. Come on, Uriah. Thank you, buddy. And I just trust that not just as, as God's gonna get me out of it, but he's gonna get me out of it in his timing, Amen. trained up with the right people around me to do the call of God that he's destined for my life. And I'm telling you, I'm gonna walk into my purpose, but I'm not gonna walk into it prematurely. I'm gonna walk into it prepared because I stepped into the prison that God had for me and I embraced that season. And I said, if God's got me here waiting, then I'm gonna trust that he's working and there's not a wasted season with our God. Can we just take a second and can we just thank him that he's a God we can fully trust, that we can fully go to in any of our times of need. Come on, somebody. He's working. Well, we're waiting. So stand your feet across all of our campuses. I just want us to pray. Today is your day. 
you're in that prison, you're waiting for that child to come back to faith. You're waiting for that healing. You're waiting for that financial breakthrough. You're waiting right now for that breakthrough, even in that anxiety in your mind. You're waiting for that dream job. I want you to know that this is your moment to show your trust in God. Saying, God, you'll bring me out of this prison in the right time. You'll tr- I'm trusting you right now. So in a sign of surrender, come on, why don't we throw a hand up to heaven right now and just say, God, we trust you. Lord, this is our moment. Lord, we don't do it in our own strength. We can't get ourselves out of it. We trust you to bring us the breakthrough. In Jesus' name, we pray. Come on, let's sing it across all of our campuses. Let's have a moment of worship right now. trust you in the waiting seasons. We trust you in the seasons that we feel like it doesn't make sense and we're hidden. We're not seeing breakthrough and we're not seeing the promise yet. We trust you. You are a trustworthy God. And to trust you means we trust your timing in our lives. We thank you for that. One last group that's at all of our campuses right now before I throw it back to our campus pastors. It's those who have not put their trust in Christ when it comes to your salvation. You're in a prison. You don't know it, but the prison is called sin. It's our separation from God. And you might be thinking you're living it to the full. You, you don't, you're not living the life that God wants you to live. And the solution is that someone's got to unlock this door. And that's why Jesus came and died. He went to that cross and he died for you and me. The Bible actually tells us he is descended into hell, took the keys back from the enemy, took control back, and now brings victory in every area of our life because he rose from the grave. And actually what's beautiful about the picture is that the door's open now. So you're in the prison (laughs) by your choice because the door has already been opened. He says, I am the door, I am the solution, I am the way, the truth, and the life. You just gotta follow him right out of that prison that you're in right there. How do you do it? You put your faith in Christ. The Bible says that we confess with our mouth and we believe in our heart that Jesus is who he says he is, that he died and he rose from the grave. That's when we will have a new life. We will be born again. And this could be your day to walk out of your prison and into the purpose of God by giving your life to Christ. If that's you on the count of three, I want you to make a bold decision across all of our campuses today. Aaron, today's my day. I'm stepping out of my prison. I'm going all in with Jesus. I'm giving Jesus my life and he'll save you right there in your seat. Ready? On the count of three. One. Two, 
Come on, be bold if that's you. Three, come on, throw that hand up right now, all over this place. Thank you, thank you. Come on, wave it at me all right over this place. Thank you, thank you. Those in the back, thank you. Those at all of our campuses, thank you. Come on, wave it at me, put it right back down. This is a day of salvation for you to walk out of that prison into all that God has for your life. Y'all ready? Let's pray the prayer out loud together at all of our campuses. Say, dear Jesus, come on, say it loud, dear Jesus, today I give you my life. I give you my sin. I give you my past. I give you my shame for the rest of my life. I'm going to follow you. Be my Lord and be my Savior. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody that believes it says, come on, celebrate those who just made the best decision ever. Thank you for listening to the Radiant Church Podcast. For service times or giving options, visit us at weareradiant.com. 